Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the European show and so today we will be looking back at this weekend's football and to join me with this is Nick as usual. Hello, welcome back. And so the, the first place we're going to start obviously is La Liga where there's been literally no change at the top as both Real Madrid and Sevilla drew and Barcelona and Atletico Madrid drew. And the first place to start it will be Real Madrid versus Sevilla as that finished 2-2. Yeah, it was it, it was a very wild game from, from start to finish. Uh, in the beginning, Sevilla was, was 100% in possession of the ball and, and they were just consistently attacking the, the whole time. Except this is uh, something that, you, that we've started seeing recently in, in Real Madrid's last few, maybe five, six games. Zidane's beginning to adopt a bit of a... Um, a bit of a mentality where you just let, let the other team have possession and then just counter-attack. And it worked perfectly well at the start because Sevilla didn't manage to score for the first 20 minutes and uh, a quick counter-attack with a, led by Odriozola down the right led to a cross which obviously Benzema, as, as per usual, got his head to open the scoring. However, uh, Odriozola was very offside when, when he received the ball so the goal was ruled out. The Spanish media made a little bit of fuss about that and they were like, huh, is it really offside? But it is, obviously. However, as we'll see later, the questionable refing decisions didn't stop there. But uh, later on, literally maybe five minutes afterwards, Sevilla got a little bit lucky. They got a, they got a free kick in their favour at the edge of the box and then a very nicely worked uh, set-piece tactic which which involved uh, passing out to Navas, Navas crossing it in, someone heading it down. It was a very intricate and it worked very well. Uh, Fernando got the ball uh, down at his feet in the box and uh, and scored with a sublime finish. And then, uh, so, so this put Real Madrid in a very bad situation because Zidane's whole tactic of setting back, letting the other team have, have possession and counter-attacking was suddenly completely pointless and w- would have been detrimental to their game. So with that, uh, Real Madrid started taking the initiative a bit more and the game evened out in terms of possession, but still uh, not much happened in terms, of, in terms of actual scoring. Sevilla was slightly better, except uh, for some reason Lopetegui made the curious decision of not playing with either Ennisiri or De Jong, the team's two strikers, and instead had Papu Gomez as a false nine, which worked pretty badly if I'm being honest. Uh, Papu Gomez is too short and just too small and he just kept getting bodied off the ball by, by Real Madrid's big defenders so yeah in the, score, the score at halftime was uh, still 1-0 and then uh, however uh, straight after straight after the, the teams returned Real Madrid came out with a bang they, they, they knew they had to score to, to reclaim top spot in the league and they, and, and they went out for it with everything in the in the sixty sixth minute, the, the the game changing move was made, in which Zidane brings on Marco Asensio, a player who has been making the difference for Real Madrid this season every time he's come on, and once again, as is becoming habit, he scored extremely shortly after being subbed on, literally sixty seconds after the substitution was made, he scores the equalizer after a very nice pass from Kroos, yeah, and with this it was suddenly game on, Sevilla's. Lee that felt quite comfortable and quite safe was 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 now in danger. Uh, it is worth noting that before this, Sevilla could have lost a little potential penalty, 
and uh, and this is quite interesting. It's quite hotly debated because pretty much uh, it came from Diego Carlos uh, from the from it came from Diego Carlos not really hitting the ball hitting his his arm as he was jumping in midair and th- and then he heads it away and um, it it was it, it's interesting because uh, it was deemed not a penalty and I think it's very ambiguous I think it could have very well been called uh, as a penalty because the Diego Carlos's arm was fairly away from his body but I guess the reason why VAR decided not not to finally give as a penalty was because uh, the ball came towards his hand quite quickly and there's not much he could have done to move it out of the way like if, if you look at it if it hadn't hit his hand it would have hit his shoulder anyways so I guess that's what the logic behind it was and then uh, speaking of penalties Sevilla retook the lead uh, about 10 minutes after the the Sensio equalizer when, with a, with an action which was definitely a penalty it, it, it's also a handball but this one's, this one's clear uh, it, it came from it came from Militao's arm being extremely far away from his body uh, it also looks like he can see where it, it, the ball comes from behind him but it looks like Militao can see where the ball is coming from because how he turns his head maybe he keeps his arm out there on purpose maybe he hits it uh, by accident doesn't really matter but he had a lot of time to take his hand away it was extremely far away from his body it's definitely 100% a penalty it's in an unnatural position as well so uh, once again, this is a little bit controversial, but it, without a doubt, it was a fair call. And then even Rakitic uh, scored this to put Real Madrid ahead. And then uh, the final, the final fifteen minutes of the game were just an, a Real Madrid assault, just going all out. And from that, uh, Sevilla just had to kind of cower back and try to defend as well as possible. And it looked like at any moment Real Madrid were going to score. And uh, and and they didn't. The end in the dying minutes of the game, uh, Tony Kroos takes a shot. I think officially the goal is listed as Eden Hazard's sometimes or uh, Diego Carlos's own goal. But I, I, Diego Carlos's own yeah, goal. Yeah, but uh, I think it's strange considering Tony Kroos's shot was on target, and uh, I think Eden Hazard clips it, and then it and then it also clips uh, Diego Carlos. But uh, I think I, I would say it's Tony Kroos's, but it doesn't really matter. It it was a it was a desperate strike from the edge of the box. And it's a shot. It's a position that uh, Kroos is quite good at scoring from, and uh, he nestled it into the bottom bottom left of the net. Uh, once again, this is talked about a little bit less, but I think Real Madrid could have potentially gotten another penalty, literally like two minutes before this goal was scored, because uh, it was it was a bit of a weird action, in which um, I believe it was uh, Koundé, I think, but it might have been another defender. Is running back to to defend, and then he slips. He literally just slips. It's not like he he intentionally tries to slide in, or and like bring a man down. But he just slips on the grass and ends up accidentally bringing down Casemiro in the box. And um and and granted, Casemiro wouldn't have done anything because the cross that was coming in towards him was caught early by, by Bono. But uh, I mean, he did get brought down in the box, and uh, and it, I guess it's a foul. It's not talked about as much, but I, I think VR could have definitely looked at that. But in the end, uh, in the diamonds of the game, Real Madrid came close to winning with a with a nice shot from Casemiro, but it didn't go in, and Real Madrid once again uh, gave up a chance to go top of the league. So they Real Madrid are currently two points off Atletico Madrid, and there are three games remaining. It's all Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid on seventy seven, Real Madrid on seventy five, Barcelona on seventy five, and Sevilla are now on seventy one. So Sevilla are probably out of the running unless some drastic change happens. But obviously now 
we'll look at Atletico Madrid versus Barcelona, the other big game. Yeah, this was despite the nil-nil scoreline, it was a great game. It was extremely exciting, and uh, the first the first half can only be described as an Atletico violation. It, it was the 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 golfing class between Barcelona and Atleti, the, the the seriousness with which the two teams uh, came at this match was was shown in broad daylight. Because uh, Atleti was fully concentrated, everyone was connecting every single pass, super focused, moving the ball around quick. Uh, whenever they lost possession, everyone would run back to press and recover the ball as quickly as possible. And meanwhile, Barcelona was slow, pretty lazy. Other than Messi, no one really looked like they were that they had their head in the game. And uh, and basically, well, yeah, Barcelona did have peer, pretty long periods of possession. It w- it was clear, like like anyone can see, it was just, uh, similar to Ramjo with Sevilla. It was just. It was just Simeone knowing that uh, Barcelona is bad at breaking down teams who just sit back in their own half. So Atleti would just do that whenever Barcelona had the ball. And upon recovering, they would just blitz down the wings, just leave leave Barcelona defenders in the dust. And uh, Atleti could have scored three, four goals in the first half, except uh, some bad finishes, some good saves from Ter Stegen, some actually extremely nice uh, last-ditch tackles from Lenglet and Piquet. Uh, prevented prevented Aleti from going ahead, and this event this ended up costing Aleti extremely dearly because going into the second half, it was clear that the team was a lot more tired, and uh, and they couldn't keep up the same pace, and uh, and Barcelona was managed to get slightly back in, more into the game. Their attacks went further than further into the final third than than ever before really, and and a lot more consistently as well, and Aleti struggled a lot more to to get past to get past uh, Barcelona's midfield and uh, the second half didn't offer as much excitement there were a few a few free kicks from Messi that that came close one scraped the bar but uh, I mean Messi Messi is the only player who turned up to the Barcelona game and, and I mean basically the only one Ter Stegen had a good game he didn't have any extremely difficult saves everything was decently routine uh but he was sharp and he, and he was there, so compliments to him. Lenglet was impressive. He was highly criticized throughout most of the season. And, and rightly so, he was quite bad. But last few games, he's been performing well. And he, and he definitely saved Barcelona. And, and Piquet always was fully committed to, to... Was very passionate about the game and giving it his all. Then basically, every other player on the pitch was pretty terrible. Uh, Koeman's decision to... To bet on to bet on young players ended up being a mistake. Is it, not just general young players. His favorite young players. That that's my criticism. My my main criticism of Kuman. In the, in, in like the thirtieth minute or something, Busquets get gets injured, and I immediately thought, oh my days, this is where Ricky Puig comes in and revolutionizes the game, because this is exactly the kind of game you would bring Puig on to to speed up the team, to to break past um, Aleti's lines, someone who's quick and creative, and then he brings on Elaich Moriba. And Elite has had good moments. He's also had pretty bad moments. He definitely does not have the experience to be playing a game like like the one that he had to play on the weekend, and it and it showed a hundred percent. He lost the ball an enormous amount of times. He didn't really. He looked lost when he was on the ball. He was just pretty slow overall. Looked nervous, and uh, and him alongside Pedri, the uh, another one of Kuman's favorite youngsters. They were some of the weakest players, I would say, on on their team. Honestly, it's not really their fault. It, it, it's just that they're a little bit too young and experienced still. 
I would like to say Pedri is usually a pretty good big game player. He's probably, I think he was just quite tired for this game. But uh, overall, Koeman could have handled the game much, much, much better. Also, subbing on Sergio Roberto was very weird. Sergio Roberto has not done anything good for Barcelona in the past two, three years. That's a lie. What, what, what good has he done? He scored the winner against PSG. Yeah, yeah that, that's what I said. He hasn't done anything good for, Bar- for Barcelona <laughs> in the last two, three years. That was... But that's the only thing he's done. So, yeah, for some reason, Koeman was, thought to himself, huh, I need to revolutionize the game. I need to bring someone on fresh and new who's going to unbalance Aleti. I know who? Sergio Roberto. <laughs> and then the exact opposite happened. Barcelona immediately became worse. But uh, overall, Aleti deserved to win and nothing ended up happening. Barcelona will be thankful that they got off as light as they did. And uh, Aleti will be thankful that Real Madrid they didn't manage to capitalize on their opportunity to go top. And so in midweek, we do have some La Liga fixtures. Um, Barcelona against Levante, Atletico Madrid against Real Sociedad, and Granada against Real Madrid. So obviously Barcelona have the easier of the fixtures. Yeah, and speaking of Levante and other teams in the in the lower end of the table, uh, the relegation battle in Spain is getting extremely, extremely intense. There are currently just five points between the bottom six teams in the league. So basically between Getafe, Alaves, Valladolid, Valladolid, Huesca, Elche and Eibar, literally anyone could get relegated and anyone could, and anyone could, could survive. And uh, most of the tension uh, comes in part from the from one particular game that was played this weekend. It was Getafe versus Eibar, so fifteenth versus twentieth. In theory, Getafe should have won this, considering that Eibar are technically the worst team in the league. But uh, they've been very good overall, having twenty nine points for a last place team for a last place team this late in the season is is impressive. It's pretty impressive. And basically, Getafe should have won this, and it would have basically guaranteed them staying up, and it would have essentially condemned Eibar. To, to relegation. However, that was not the case. Uh, Getafe, as per usual, uh, was unable to take their chances and played dreadful attacking football, just basically counting on unlocking at their opposition and waiting for the final whistle to blow. However, that didn't happen as as in the dying moments of the game, Eibar gets a penalty, which they convert, meaning, meaning that they took all three points away from, from the end of the fixture which screws over Getafe because now they're only four points away from relegation while Eibar are two points away from salvation. So th- it just goes to show how crazy and unpredictable this La Liga season is being. The top is tight and intense. The bottom is debatably even more so. Everything's wild. Uh, meanwhile, Valencia and Levante both guaranteed their their their, per- their permanency, I think that's the right word, in the, in the league this season. So uh, Valencia, who were looking quite bad at the beginning, aren't in the end going to get relegated which is quite nice to hear so we're going to have our break now and then we will be back with the Bundesliga and Syria. welcome back from our from our break so we're going to first start with the Bundesliga. So the most important game this weekend was Brissy Dortmund against RB Leipzig. If RB Leipzig failed to get a result, then Brissy Dortmund or then Bayern Munich would win the league. And they proceeded to do that with Brissy Dortmund winning 3-2. And you can actually say that Brissy Dortmund won the league for Bayern Munich. 
which if you're a British Dortmund fan is something you don't really want to be saying. So the game first started when Marco Royce opened, or Dortmund got off to a good start when Marco Royce opened and scoring and then just after half time Jaden Sancho doubled the lead so they looked as if they were going to cruise to a to a win here but this is Dortmund and they don't do things lightly <laughs> and so a goal from Lucas Klosterman and Danny Olmo equalised for, for Leipzig and so it was setting up a tense ending as obviously Leipzig wanted to try and keep the title race alive at least for a few hours until in the 87th minute Jaden Sancho um, equalised for for Dortmund and moved them up to fourth in what, in what could be one of his last major contributions to the team if he is to leave in the summer which the rumours are beginning to circulate that he will be leaving but where to no one knows yeah well I mean I, I, I guess after after so long uh, Dortmund got tired of winning the league for Bayern by giving them all their best players and decided to win the league for Bayern by knocking out their opposition so yeah, it's just it's just normal Dortmund things the way I see it. Yeah, it's Dortmund just handing the league to Bayern yeah. in any way that they and can. And I mean, Bayern win the league nine times in a row. Wow. What do we think about that? Right, it just shows like um, how how much money they have. Really, mm. if you if you look at the amount of money Bayern Munich have compared to Borussia Dortmund, it's quite significant, and that's because Bayern Munich know how to um, market themselves as a worldwide team whereas Borussia Dortmund yes they're they're quite large but they're not on the same scale with Bayern you know and Bayern learned how to commercialise themselves a lot quicker than most teams and especially most teams around the world as well which saw the the massive gulf in class and it it also does show why 50 plus 1 is not necessarily the way to go because all I'm saying is if 49% of a club is owned by hint hint a rich oil state then that's a lot different to being owned 49% owned by a local businessman that's all I'm saying so obviously as, as I said Brissy Dortmund moving to fourth and that's also because Frankfurt drew 1-1 with Mainz and so there is a tense tense ending to the to the race for the Champions League spots it's, it's actually not confirmed whether, whether Wolfsburg Dortmund or Frankfurt are going to make it into the Champions League and it, it's quite interesting that Frankfurt have experienced the same sort of decline, really, that Borussia Mönchengladbach experienced after Marco Royce announced his departure. And you could also say the same, the sim- a similar thing has happened to RB Leipzig. Yeah, they beat Werder Bremen in, in the Dodger Pokal final, but just within the skin of their teeth as well. So it seems to be a common occurrence if a manager announces he's going to leave, the team experiences a dramatic downturn in form. And so obviously both Dortmund and Leipzig play each other again actually in the Deutsche Pokal final. Hopefully the final will be as exciting as this game, but I, I highly doubt it as it's a final and finals tend to be particularly boring because the teams defend for their lives. Bayern Munich won their, their game against Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, they showed why they were champions and all I'm going to say is Robert Lewandowski is on 39 goals and there's two games left. And so he's one goal away from equaling the record and two goals away from breaking the record. And so I think, I think it's pretty safe to say that he is going to break it now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's quite funny that last time we were saying how uh, Gladbach is probably going to be Lewandowski's next hard game. Yeah, fine. Okay, I, I said you. that. I was like, okay, out of the three teams left, Gladbach's probably the least likely one that he'll 
score against him that's going to set him off for, for the rest of the record. And I don't really think it's possible that he's going to make it unless he almost single-handedly breaks the record in a single game. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm framing to referring to the scoreline, but I think it's safe to say that Robin Lewandowski could have had at least four goals in this game. On a positive, Borussia Mönchengladbach are in contention for a, a European Conference League place as due to the Pokal final being between um, Borussia Dortmund and RB Leipzig, it does mean that seventh is now a European place as well, which is great. And so hopefully Borussia Mönchengladbach don't screw this up because they do have Union Berlin and Freiburg right behind them as well. And Stuttgart are also outsiders. Um, at the bottom, FC Köln lost 4-1 to Freiburg, who I just mentioned, and so Köln are two points off 15th, as they are currently 17th. But the way they've been playing it is looking quite likely that they could be spending the year next season in the Zweite Bundesliga. Uh, whereas Hertha Berlin, however, seem to be making some progress, as a as a nil-nil draw with Armenia Bielefeld moved them into 14th. And they do still have a game in hand, which is being played in midweek against Schalke. So they will uh, win three points there. And which will probably push them up even further as they move to safety, similar to how Mainz have. Interestingly enough, is Borna Sosa, the, the Stuttgart left-back, is becoming a German national. Uh, what's, interesting, what's interesting about this is the fact that how Croatia haven't called him up because they are probably lacking a quality left-back and Borna Sosa would fill that in. But Sosa has gained German citizenship and is now in contention for a, Euro- for a, squad in, for a place in the German national team squad for, for the Euros, which is very interesting, to say the least. But it's probably what Germany needs, as they do lack quality left-backs, with the only proper quality one you could say being Robin Goosens at Atalanta. And Sosa will offer great crossing ability and will significantly improve the team and hopefully encourage Joachim Lowe to play fullbacks in their positions instead of like Matthias Ginter at right back, which just doesn't make sense. And on Matthias Ginter, he's also looking to leave Mönchengladbach in the summer, which is not the best. But yeah, I suppose it's because of the uncertainty around how Adi Hutter is going to uh, use him. In the Spider Bundesliga, Hamburg are fifth. They are playing as we speak, but they are looking more and more likely that they will be spending next season in the, in the Spider Bundesliga. So it will be interesting to see Hamburg versus Köln again. Just not in the league that you people desired them to be in. And finally, Erzabiger Al. Uh, played Paderborn in a mid-table um, clash in the Zweite Bundesliga. You wouldn't expect any anything from this. But it finished 8-3 to Paderborn <laughs> with 11 goals being scored, 6 in the first half and the only hat-trick being for Ed Zabiga Al uh, coming from Dmitry Nazarov. And so, yeah, it's quite an outstanding result, especially in the context of everything. But I suppose we are in that period of the season where literally anything happens and any anything goes and there are no narratives to follow anymore yeah i think it's absolutely crazy on, on many levels first of all 11 goals in, in a mid-table game with with nothing to play for really both teams are deciding to to go all out 
uh, also the only hat trick coming from the losing team that only scored three goals. Pretty funny the way I see it. And lastly, what were the goalkeepers doing? <laughs> it, it does just show that uh, in Germany they only know how to attack <laughs> and not defend. So now on to Italy, where we had Juventus versus Milan, which was a big game in the in the race for European places. Milan won three 0 and so Juventus are now in the Europa League places. And with the way they've been playing, it's looking a lot more likely that we will be seeing Ronaldo in the Europa League next year, which I think is something that he never thought he would have to participate in. So, Brahim Diaz opened the scoring for, for Milan after a great, with a great goal. Ante Rebic also scored a, a great goal as well. Frank Kessier missed a penalty. And then Fikayo Tomori scored his first goal for Milan, which is great as Milan looked to possibly sign Tomori permanently as he has proved to be a, or proved to have a big impact on the club and the, in the team in his brief period there. However, sadly, Zlatan Ibrahimovic headed off injured, which could put him in doubt for his big return for Switzerland at the Euros, which is a shame, but I suppose Switzerland, Switzerland are quite um, adept to dealing without Zlatan but what does this mean for Juventus now as they head towards the Europa League well I mean they're in an extremely bad position because it's looking almost almost impossible for them to, to retain their spot in the Champions League and um, the, the, all, all I can say is it would be sad it would just be sad to see to see Juventus in, in the Europa League these titans that just had such a tight grip on the Serie A for, for almost a decade and have been in the Champions League I, 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 I don't know, I, I literally couldn't think of a, of, of a time, but probably since before we were born, uh, in which uh, Juventus was not in the Champions League, and just I to, to them falling 2010. 2010. They played Fulham in the semi-finals. Of, of the Europa League? And lost. No way. That's crazy. It, so it's been over a decade since, uh, since Juventus was not in, in Champions League. And uh, it's crazy that with how how much money the team should have from, from winning all these league titles and always being at, at the most competitive level, uh, how they should have been able to keep up at least, maybe not win the league every single year, but just like put up a respectable performance and just how far they've tumbled. And, uh, and it brings the question, we've talked about this sort of uh, on previous episodes, but like, what is the problem? Like, I, I would probably say it's a mixture of, of Pirlo not, not just not being a good enough manager and the players on the pitch just also not not really caring, or just not being good enough either. I I think they've wasted their yeah. money in the wrong places. Obviously, spending giving so much money to a bunch of elderly players, who are frankly past their best. Yes, they have begun to invest in in youth with um, Delict, uh, Demerel, um, Chiesa. Kulizewski, McKenney, Bentancur, stuff like that, which is all well and good. But when you're giving so much money to players such as Ronaldo and Ramsey, Chiellini, yes, you could argue that Chiellini's done a lot for the club, but he's on too much money, and that's what they, they've given too much money to all these elderly players, which has obviously hindered the amount of spending that they could do, and it's clearly costed them. And that's obviously why they were pushing for the Super League. And what's interesting about the Super League is the fact that 
the head of the Italian Football Federation has said that if Juventus refuse to withdraw themselves from the Super League, they will be expelled from Syria, which is a big, big development and very interesting to say the least. Well, I guess if you get um, kicked out of Syria, then you can't uh, not finish in the Champions League spot anymore. So I think they'll only see it as a win. Uh, Inter Milan played Sampdoria and won five-one, and Claudio Ranieri decided to give Inter Milan a guard of honor. Because obviously, as an aspect as obviously in English football, but. Um, Ranieri thought he would bring it uh, for Inter because he he received a guard of honour when he was manager of Leicester against Chelsea. Napoli beat Spezia 4-1. Uh, Victor Oshiman uh, is beginning to come into his own again after a period out with injuries and Covid. So he's, I imagine next season is going to be a big, big season for him. And Atalanta won 5-2 against Parma. And so for the race for the top, Four, it, Napoli against Udinese in midweek, Juventus against Sassuolo, Torino against Milan, and Atalanta against Benevento. And shout out to Dusan Vlahovic, who scored 21 goals so far this season, only being bettered by Ronaldo. I'll, I'll be honest, I, I had not heard of uh, Vlahovic until Jack just mentioned him right now. I mean, maybe I'd seen him around, like people just started talking to him. And it goes to show how incredibly underrated he's been. Uh, because Literally just because he doesn't play for one of the top clubs. Because, I mean, Fiorentina is not doing a, a particularly incredible season compared to everyone else. So uh, their players are clearly going unnoticed. Yeah, it's mainly because Fiorentina's season has been terrible. But obviously, Vlahovic has been the one bright spark in this season. So now we're going to have our goal song break and then we'll be back with Liga. Welcome back from my Golson break. So we just heard the Feyenoord goals. You just heard the Feyenoord goals song. So Nick, what would you rate that out of ten? Honestly, I really like it as a song. It it's it's fun. It's interesting. It's it's, it's it sounds football. Unfortunately, uh, Feyenoord is a bit of a joke club, so I have to deduct a few points. And overall, I give it a seven out of ten. I'll give it a, a six. Um, it's it's a, a, the style of it is a bit similar to Holstein Kiel. Um, yeah, it's quite a standard goal song. So the first place we're going to start now is Liga. Uh, as Leo played the Lons in the Derby de Nord. And Leo triumphed 3-0 with goals from Burak Yilmaz and Jonathan David as they took another step towards winning the Liga title. I think it's mental how Burak Yilmaz is 35 and is producing performances like this. The fact he's doing it at 35 in a top 5 league as well. Just makes this even better. Like, fair enough if he was doing it in China or Turkey, but this is in France, and he's producing week in, week out as well. I think it's generally impressive as well. 
And he's also impressive at the progress Jonathan David has made, because obviously we took the piss out of him for the majority of for the end of last year, but now he has become a genuinely great striker. Yeah. And it's fine and it's what we wanted to see. It, it's it's time for Jonathan David watch. Uh it's been three days since Jonathan David scored and uh he's amazing. That, that, that's that's to the Jonathan David watch. It's just he's really, really good. That's all you need to know. In my eyes, he's better than Mbappe. You can't tell me otherwise. Well, if you look at the league table, that's correct. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. Uh, so, obviously, see the win for Leo, and I, I'm, I'm going to say it, they're looking destined to win the title. Unless they do fuck this up against Saint-Etienne and, and, and Angers, then, they, then they're going to win this. But, obviously, PSG have a tendency to screw themselves over as well, which is what they did as well. At the weekend, they drew one-one with Ren, with Ren. After Neymar scored a penalty to give PSG the lead, uh, Giassi then scored a header um, to equalise for Ren, and Ren actually had some decent chances to actually win the game. And then Prince Kimpembe decided to get himself sent off. I think it's safe to say PSG are just imploding now. Uh, they're, they're getting humbled in the Champions League has really affected them. And it does does show how much they miss Mbappe as well. So if Mbappe does leave in this summer, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens to PSG. Uh, in, in French, I think for for this game, what really mattered was was fitness. Uh, PSG looked extremely tired throughout. I, I mean, I, I, I should have said the same about the Real Madrid game because because the same applied for for that. But uh, having played midweek really took a really took a toll on the team, and uh, especially just later on. When uh, normally you can tell the difference between, uh, be- between like the good players and the bad players who can keep up their concentration ninety minutes and all of that, um, the opposite happened where uh, PSG's players were actually the 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 ones that were out of shape, running slower, uh, and and losing the, their concentration, which is which is uh, as previously stated the opposite of what would usually happen. PSG have Reem and Brest left. And so you consider them winnable games, but obviously it's PSG now and you can't really, um, you don't really know what's going to happen to them. So it will be interesting to see how this pans out, but I do think we're looking at some new champions in Liga. Well, not new champions, but the first time they're winning the league in 10 years. In Belgium, uh, Club Bruges are at risk of letting their lead slip uh, in the championship playoff as they lost to Genk at the weekend 3 0. And they're now only five points ahead of Genk, with five game with four games remaining, and with no easy games in the Championship playoff, it is entirely possible that Club Bruges could actually lose their lead and bottle the league, which would be quite big, especially with how much Club Bruges were dominating at the, at the beginning of the year, or, the, or in the league before they they split. Well, Feyenoord played at home to Ajax, who had already won the league, so Ajax didn't really have anything to play for. Uh, meanwhile, Feyenoord are fighting uh, with Vitesse to get into the European Conference League. So, I mean, seeing as as, as to how Ajax essentially just did, did, was, didn't really want to get anything from the match, Feyenoord could have essentially gone in and, and gotten uh, three free points. Except it's a bit of a meme uh, in the Netherlands that Feyenoord has a, has a funny habit of just throwing games to Ajax. It doesn't happen all the time, but it happens very often. And... Uh, and they did it once again it, <laughs> in the most final way possible uh, they lost 3-0 uh, 
with the first goal being an own goal and a pretty stupid one at that in which uh, a fumble from a corner leads to one defender just panic clearing it straight into another defender who just lashes his leg out just out of reflex almost into his own net and the second goal was also an own goal and it was even worse it was like a weak cross uh being driven nowhere near literally no ax player was near and for some reason the final player just panics tries to clear it trips over and scores into his own net one of the stupidest goals i've ever seen it, it i beg that everyone who listens to this goes to watch this game it was honestly i'm not to be too harsh but it was pretty symbolic i'm not even gonna lie here uh furthermore Feyenoord missed the penalty <laughs> uh, <laughs> as, as if all of this wasn't already bad enough they, they had their way back into the game and they threw it away uh and then and then finally and, and, and then finally in, in in the last few minutes of the game Mohamed Akudus uh scored the 3-0 the, the, honestly this game was strange and wild and crazy uh not only because of the scoreline the refing was pretty horrendous in the in the forty in the forty sixth minute, well, the before the penalty was called that Feyenoord missed, uh, Edson Alvarez was sent off with a straight red. Uh, that was a very questionable decision. It came from it came from a handball, but the ball was really kicked onto his. You could say it was kicked onto his hand, except really, uh, the way I see it, it saw his chest. I I from, like I've tried to look at it various times. It, it like hits the part of of his shoulder that's like. So the part of his chest that's between his shoulder and his arms so is pretty ambiguous. It doesn't look like he intentionally tries to stop the goal. It's not. It's not like a shot that looks like it's going to be a goal. But uh, the, the the ref just said to give him a straight red, anyways, which is strange. And then 15 minutes into the second half, uh, Tyrell Malasia brings down. I believe it was Anthony, uh, just outside of the box, and he and he gets a second yellow for it. But uh. Malasia barely touches Anthony. It, it's the lightest of touches, and and uh, Anthony dives, and uh, and then Malasia gets sent off for it. It was extremely strange, and uh, overall the refing was pretty terrible. I'm not gonna lie. So with that, Ajax don't really do anything. They've already won the league. This game did not matter, and Feyenoord basically waved goodbye to European football. However, what I do think is interesting is that we saw. Uh, one of the first new kits for next season. Ajax played in their 2021-22 uh, away kit that they'll be showing next year. And um, well, what's your opinion on it, Jack? It's it's all right. It's 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 nice. I wouldn't say it's my favorite kit, but it's it's, it's decent. Yeah, I don't know. I've got quite a few mixed opinions on it. Overall, it doesn't look bad. Like as a football kit, it's decent. Uh, it's it's funny how similar it looks to like Club Bruges or Atalanta's kit, something like that. Uh, as an away kit, I think it's very strange, and for an Ajax kit, it's also very strange. It is just a it's mm-hmm. it's an odd decision. It's an odd decision. You would think they would go for like black and red. Yeah, exactly. I, I I've really liked red. their away kits for most of the last few years, and this one I don't know. It it doesn't look as Ajax as all the previous ones, I guess. It, it looks like a home kit. It looks like a home kit for another kit. But uh, overall, if I was to score it out of 10, 6 out of 10, it's not bad. I'd give it a, a 5. And so you expect more kit reviews from us yep. as well, as especially when we run out of content during the summer. Yep. And so that's what we'll do. We'll just review kits. Now that more kits are coming out as well, because it's the end of the season, we're probably going to start doing this more as well. Yeah. 
because we're, we're running low on content especially for thursday episodes yeah yeah well without the champions league we're we'll, we'll have to see what we do but on the monday episodes i'm sure we're going to have a lot to talk about with the with the title races coming to an end so that's it for today thank you for listening please like us share us follow us um do you want to listen to us on 1.5 speed if you don't want to listen to this whole just listen to it okay if we sound like we're 12 just do it <laughs> so yeah thank you for listening and we will be back on friday yep see you later have a nice day whatever it sounds dumb but whatever have a nice day anyways i don't care <laughs>